After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots into for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. Having a background in music ministry, I've had to have a lot of tough conversations with people. Um, and you, at the same time, you don't want to like crush them or hurt their feelings. And one of the areas where it happened the most often was in auditions. People would audition to be a part of the music team at our church. And I had to either go like, wow, this person's great. Like, let's get them involved. <laughs> or I had to have the unfortunate experience of having to tell them, you suck. I'm just kidding. I didn't actually tell them that like that. But <laughs> that's what this whole conversation is about today, because uh, having to figure out how to be honest with people and have real uh, productive conversations that help coach them and grow them and uh, kind of guide and direct them a little bit is something that every nonprofit leader has to figure out how to do. But you have to do it with care because we don't pay our volunteers. That's the whole point of the fact that they're volunteering, right? And so one of the ways that we actually make sure that we're um, still nurturing this person and, and caring for this person is being intentional with the ways that we have hard, hard conversations. So that way they're still effective, but at the same time, caring for the person. So that's the conversation we're going to have today, Lisa. Are you excited? Oh, I'm so excited. I'm pumped. <laughs> This is such an important conversation because a lot of times the way that these conversations are had uh, determines how well your organization as a whole can grow. Um, because hard conversations are just a part of any relationship that you're having, whether mm -hmm. it's with your spouse or your kids or with one of your friends or with a volunteer. At some point, there's going to have to be a hard conversation that needs to be had. I mean, it's just part of having relationships. We're all people. And so at some point, there's going to be a dynamic where it's not always going to be comfortable. It's not always going to be easy. <clears throat> and our ability as leaders to cope and handle and deal with these hard conversations is really going to show how effective our relationships are going to be long term. Right. <clears throat> and on top of that, it's uh, how effective our organizations are going to be long term. Mm -hmm. Because if we are leaving a wake of destruction with every person that comes into our organization because we have failed to care for them properly in the process of coaching, or if we're leaving a wake of destruction because we haven't coached people properly and haven't mm -hmm. helped them to find the right place to serve or volunteer or be involved with the organization, uh, both of those are equally damaging and we have to figure out how to thread that needle um, and do it expertly. Like the best organizations, the best nonprofits, and the best for-profits, honestly, have figured out how to do this in a way that is effective, but also leaves, leaves people on the other side of it feeling like this person cares for me, and so I trust them. Instead of like, wow, that person just used this opportunity to twist the dagger into my heart. Mm -hmm. And when we say that they're damaging, we need to clarify that a little bit. <clears throat> because sometimes um, as a leader, it's like, yeah, this might not be great, but really, is it really damaging? And what do you count as damage? Because sometimes that discomfort that we feel internally, we feel like that's so much bigger than any damage that could happen. 
um, as a result of maybe just ignoring the issue or not having the conversation or just massaging the truth a little bit so that people don't get their feelings hurt and just not being straightforward and honest in a way that's kind and caring. But the damage that we're talking about is damage to your organization, damage to the volunteer, and really their future interest in being involved with any nonprofit going forward. Um, Damage when that volunteer goes into an organization, they recognize a leader that's similar to the one that hurt them. They may or may not ever want to get involved again. Mm -hmm. We're also talking about damage to your organization's reputation. After a while, if you become known as the person who just leaves a wake of destruction, whether that's destruction of relationships or whatever it might be, Eventually, that's going to become synonymous with who you're known for, and it will actually become a way people see the organization. Oh, that organization? Oh, yeah, they hurt people. And that's a damage that is very, very, very hard to recover from. Oh, yeah. It takes easily twice as long to repair that reputation as it took to build that reputation. mm -hmm. Easily. And if you think about the organizations in your sphere who have a negative reputation, you need to know those negative reputations oftentimes weren't built overnight. A oh, lot yeah. of times they were small decisions that didn't seem that big in the moment over a period of time that had the compound effect. And now suddenly they're drowning in negative um, connotations with who they are and what they do. And we don't want that experience for you. Right. So we're talking about we're going to probably have a lot of this conversation in the context of the idea of a volunteers, just because I feel like that takes even more care than, mm-hmm. say, an employee who's also getting a paycheck or, say, a, a donor who is, like, they're not, like, next to you every day, like, serving alongside you. Um, but I think um, this conversation definitely bleeds into every interaction with the yes. people who are above you in a, in a hierarchy or below you in a hierarchy or peers. Um, and so... How to have hard conversations with care is so important. What do you think is one of the biggest pitfalls that leaders find themselves in with this? I I think there are two sides to this and maybe even three sides to this coin. But what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think so from my side. Yeah. um, When I'm in a leadership position, I have to have a hard conversation. Um, My side is that I am selfish. I think everyone is like me. And I want the best experience and the best outcome for myself. Um, And I don't mean to do that. This is something that when I started as a volunteer leader versus where I am now today, I've had to grow a lot. But one of the biggest pitfalls I see in volunteer leaders is they look at situations and say, I don't want to have the hard conversation. Instead of looking at it from the volunteer's perspective of, I care about their growth. I want them to succeed. Um, there's like a selfish, like, I just want to protect myself. I want to get in, say whatever I have to say to just get past this moment and get to the other side of this. Like I just, I'm, I'm going to play defense and then I'm going to smile a lot and then I'm going to run out the door and not have to handle it anymore. There's a selfish, (laughs) like, I don't want to experience this conversation that I know is coming. Um, the second side of it was, I always assume people liked what I liked. They thought how I thought, um, I would go into conversations with a bias that they just wanted the facts or the information or just a calm, rational response or, you know, the way yeah. that I would want the conversation. Yeah, to that be had. projection is a totally normal thing. In that leaders. projection, um, it's like this is going to be hard conversation. So they want out of it, too. Let's just get through it really fast and just be done instead of taking the time to really care for the other person. 
and meeting Mm -hmm. them in how they would want to be met and doing it in a way that helps them to still succeed in the future and actually being honest with them. So I think I just hit like five sides of a coin. (laughs) But that I know for me, that was the biggest thing that I not only had to learn, but then I'd have to train my volunteer leaders on. Um, Mm -hmm. Here's how to care about their comfort over your discomfort. And here's how to care about their success over you just need to tell them this is a hard conversation and but Mm -hmm. i'm not going to be honest with you yeah so like the the things that i was thinking and i think you kind of hit on one side of the coin a little bit more was just the the avoidance Mm -hmm. of the hard conversation altogether yeah like they're called hard conversations for a reason and a lot of times it's just really tough especially in nonprofit setting to know how to navigate it. And so then we avoid it either by <clears throat> just not addressing the issue mm-hmm. or kind of like beating around the bush, not really like getting to the heart of the issue, like just trying every way possible to not make the other person feel uncomfortable. And that is a really, really tough problem with this because if you're having a hard conversation, it's going to be uncomfortable. Like you have to just recognize that it's it's going to be uncomfortable so then how do you move past that? Mm-hmm. But you were going to say something. I was going to say, I think also as leaders, and we don't like to call it what it is, but a lot of times we want to avoid hard conversations so much that we are willing to straight up lie. Oh, yeah. No, All it's a time. total lie mm-hmm. if you don't, like, if you're, if you're like, addressing something sort of. Like, right. it, oh, it's, 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 it's gross. It's a lie. And, and if you, even if you tell someone, like, you know, you have a really nice voice. I just don't think it's going to be like a good fit long term. If you know that they don't have a nice they voice. don't have a nice voice or they sing flat sometimes. Or That's how you end up like with people on American issue. Idol who are awful and they're mo- like they think they're great. <laughs> like it's because their mom always told them, oh, you have such a beautiful voice. And their mom was like, I don't know what, what her problem was, but she was wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> but for real, it's um. That's the one side of the coin. And then the other piece of it is being too blunt and just being like, it's like a transaction. Like, it's just, I'm just going to tell you this. And this this happens, I think, a little less often when it comes to like a musical like talent problem. But it, it seemed to happen in the context for me a lot with like clothing choices where it was like, hey, that shirt doesn't flatter you very well. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, if you're not careful with how you say that. <laughs> Like the person's going to go home and like weep mm-hmm. all week long because that was like really, really rough to say. And so <laughs> and, and like maybe just other things like, hey, uh, maybe you should lose some weight. Like those are questions. Those are not the times to be blunt. OK, but mm-hmm. it's also not the time to lie either. If there's an issue, you got to figure out how to address it honestly, but also how to care. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that people either tend to beat around the bush or they're like, Okay, I've tried hinting for so long that I just need to be blunt about this. And they swing to this completely different other side. And it's like, whoa, that's not cool. That's not okay either. We need to figure out how to actually handle this conversation with the care and concern that was making you not be honest. While at the same time bringing in truth in the way that you would if you just didn't care about people's feelings. Mm-hmm. And there has to be that middle ground. And that walking that middle line is incredibly tense and difficult. 
and it feels like there's all this tension. And I think as humans, we avoid tension when really the most amount of growth that you're going to experience in life is walking through tension and walking through tension with other people. The other problem that I see that happens when you start to take that dishonest approach, let's just call it what it is. It's dishonest approach when you don't quite address the real issue at hand. Um, People talk to each other and they see how other people are treated. If you're Mm -hmm. inconsistent, like that is going to destroy your organization's reputation Mm-hmm. And it's potentially going to destroy people. They're going to be wondering, like, what did I do wrong? But, like, for example, if there's an issue with someone's, like, I keep going back to the music thing because that's what I know the most. But let's say, you know, somebody's showing up late all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't want to have a conversation with them showing up late. So you kind of, like, beat around the bush and you just say, like, I just need you to be, like, a little more responsible, right? But there's somebody else who is being irresponsible on the team, but they're showing up on time, right? But they're being irresponsible in a different way. So you were dishonest with how you addressed the situation with the person, but now they see, well, this person's being irresponsible. I'm being responsible. What? Why did I get talked to about it and mm-hmm. not this other person? So being consistent is really, really important and being truthful helps avoid that situation. If you just would have said, I need you to show up on time, then it would have been like obvious, like, okay, this is why this person didn't get get reprimanded or whatever, because they are showing up on time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't create like this confusion of like, it's kind of like raising kids in a lot of way. Like if you're consistent with discipline, they know what the boundaries are and they're actually happier within boundaries. But if the boundaries are always shaf- shifting and shaping from kid to kid, from person to person, from rule to rule. Or day to day. Day to day. Yeah. One day it matters. The other day it doesn't. It's like what the heck, you know? They live Um, in fear because they don't know what's coming next. Right. And volunteers are the same way. And honestly, what's hard about talking to someone saying, I need you to be more responsible, is everyone has different life experiences. So responsibility means something different to Ted than it does to me. Mm -hmm. Responsibility means something different than the guitarist on the team versus the bassist on the team. And so when you're telling someone to be more responsible, but you're not saying this is the issue Um, what happens is they all look at each other and say, we're not being held to the same standards. And then they start to try and figure out why. Yeah. And that's where it gets held to the same standards because then they're like, well, apparently this person is a better musician and they're not being held to the same standards. So they must be better than me and they're favored. And it just creates. Or you just like them better or they're prettier or they're more handsome or whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is. Maybe you're working in and you have like an office setting. And so really all it is is a couple people coming in, maybe managing your database for all of your volunteers and donors and whatever. But if you have two people come in and one of them you're saying, just please be more responsible. And what you mean is show up on time because I have other stuff and I want to be able to train you and, you know, whatever it is. But they're looking at the person next to them saying, they're not being responsible. I've seen how their life is. I think that they should be more responsible in this they're completely on their phone, other uh, area. They're texting people while they're Yeah, they're texting people. They're not getting their stuff done. I'm at least here focused. Um, what's going to happen is they're going to start to wonder, wow, 
Do they just like them more? They just not like me? Do they just not like me? Mm -hmm. Do they not really care about this project? Is what I'm doing actually worth my time? Why am I even here? Like the questions that go through people's minds when they don't know what the issue is because you're not willing to just address the issue, the questions that they're asking are probably way worse than what the issue actually is. Yeah. Instead of it just being like a, <laughs> You've created hey, a prison can you in please show up on time? They're sitting there going, is anything I'm doing even valuable? And does this person even like me? <laughs> Am I in the process of being rejected? Like, those are the questions mm. that people have. And that's what you are creating when you are unwilling to be honest with people, is you're creating a situation where your volunteers don't feel safe. They don't feel like they can trust you. And long term, they're not going to be able to maintain that professional relationship because the, the boundaries are broken. Mm -hmm. And they just don't know what to expect. And that's scary. It's scary for kids to not know what to expect. It's scary for adults to not know what to expect. I think that's something that never really goes away. <laughs> yeah. And so to put this in the perspective of like, how do you actually do it well? Because we've talked a little bit about some of the things that can go wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I think we put too much weight on the discomfort of the conversation and not enough weight on the results of not doing the conversation well. Like we put too much weight on um, if I don't address this right now on the other side of the coin, right, where you, maybe you're too blunt, you put too much weight on if I don't address this right now in this, like, it's a, it's an emergency. I have to do this right now. You put too much weight on that rather than, the, like, the repercussions of not handling it with care. Um, you're, like, you're going to make bad decisions because you're mm -hmm. making a decision in the moment that feels better in the moment. Either it's solving the issue right now and we don't have to, like, care for the person long term or you're not addressing the issue and ultimately you're not caring for the person long term because now you're setting them up for success and worry and anxiety working in the organization mm -hmm. so moving toward what to do uh lisa what would be one of the things that you would think about the first thing i think about is timing everything is timing Absolutely. Um, timing. When do you have these hard conversations? Ideally, you have them at the first sign of an issue and not after the issue has been going on for six months. You have them immediately before the issue is an issue. You know if someone shows up 10 minutes late that there is a massive potential for this person to turn into someone who is habitually 30 minutes late. Mm -hmm. So the first time that they're 10 minutes late, it's okay to just be like, hey, thanks so much for showing up. It's so much easier. I thought if you we do were it early. meeting at one instead of one fifteen. Did I get my calendar wrong? They're like, oh no, I'm just running late. Oh, okay. Well, I have meetings, so in the future. Yep. Like whatever. That conversation, not awkward. <laughs> it's the so much easier time, to have the first so much, session. <laughs> it's so much yeah. easier to have. So when those little things happen, just find little ways to have small conversations immediately. That's that important timing. Now, if this is an issue where you are actually becoming frustrated, when there's emotion involved, that is the time to not have a conversation. As yeah. a leader, you don't want to have the conversation when you're emotional. If you are feeling stressed, if you are feeling angry, if you're feeling annoyed, if you're feeling Hopeless. anything other <laughs> than I actually care about this person standing in front of me because they are a person, it's not the time to have a conversation. Right. Now, that being said, when you're feeling stressed, you do need to find a way to, I mean, you could put it on your calendar if you want, but you need to d determine when the time is that you are going to have the conversation. 
Because mm-hmm. a lot of people do is on Monday, they get frustrated. <clears throat> and then by Thursday, they're like, you know, the conversation's going to be awkward. Maybe it's really not that big a deal. And then on Monday, they get frustrated. And again. then on Monday, they get frustrated <laughs> again. And then the next Thursday, they're, you know, rationalizing. So when you're having those moments, you need to recognize this is not the right time. But the fact that I am feeling this way means that it is important enough that I do need to figure out what the right time actually is. So timing is key. There are so many things that go wrong in these conversations simply because we don't pay attention to the timing of what's happening. Like, oh my gosh, I could have saved myself so much time if I would have just figured out the timing. Yep. Let's say that it's reached a point where you just you have to have the conversation and you've got the timing down right, but it's it's an actual issue. Like you actually have to address this thing. Um, that's that's usually where most leaders find themselves. They know it's an issue. Like I've been to conferences where you know people it'll come to question time and people will say, "What do I do if this is happening?" And like the answer that comes from the stage is always the same answer. Well, you got to talk to the person. Like ah. Oh. You know, like they knew what the answer was. They knew that they had to have this hard, tough conversation, but it's just like, I didn't, they didn't know what to like. They just, they, they just wanted to find any other possible route. Yeah. It's like, can I just like rent a plane and have a banner behind it? (laughs) Write it in smoke in the the sky. Yeah. Yeah, Can I just write it somewhere where they'll see it? The problem is if you do something like that, and I'm not saying that in particular, but if you hold a meeting with a hundred volunteers, because one volunteer is late, and you say we need to show up. Everyone who's already showing up is going to feel guilty, and the one person who isn't showing up isn't going to care. They're not at the meeting. Yeah, they, they miss the meeting. <laughs> they They're the late. <laughs> like... <laughs> that that always happens. Yeah. So um, when I had to address something that was really really tough with a person, the thing that I always tried to think of is like I need to be one hundred percent honest. Mm-hmm. And I need them to understand why. Like, it's not just about addressing the behavior or the issue. It's also addressing the underlying why. Because that's the question that people really want the answer to. Like, why are you telling me that um, I need to practice more? Is it because I'm not talented enough? Is it because I'm not good enough? Is it because you don't like me? Is it because, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, but if you address the answer and you tell them, like, Hey, we need, I need you to rehearse more at home because, and even if they don't like the, what comes after, at least they know why, mm-hmm. at least they can, they don't have to wonder why, right? Yeah. Because everybody else comes knowing their stuff already and then they're having to wait while you learn it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that makes sense. And then, you know, if it continues to be an issue, you got to figure out like, okay, how do I address this again with honesty and why because this has been an ongoing issue and i can tell other people on the team are getting frustrated and honestly as a leader i'm starting to get a little frustrated too like it's okay to say those things and it once you've had those conversations and you've like gone down that road if it comes to a point where then you have to say you know what i don't think this is working we need to find a different place for you to serve or whatever then there's like uh there's a background to the story that to them at that point, they're like, yeah, this makes sense. It mm-hmm. makes sense that you're firing me. Yeah. We've had this conversation. I haven't gotten better. I'm not upset about this because I am clearly the one who did it wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, but the honesty thing was always so hard. And the way that I made it easier for myself is I honestly, and this is important too, 
point out things that they are doing well. You can always find something that somebody is doing well. And as long as you're honest about it and you actually care about that thing that they're doing well, you can point it out and that will like lighten the blow a little bit, but you do have to actually get to the meat of the issue. So, Hey, I noticed that you are showing up on time and I super appreciate that. It's setting a good example for everybody. There's one thing I really need you to work on though. And that is you're on time, but you're not, you don't know any of the music. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're here on time, but you don't know the words. You don't know the melodies or whatever it is. Right. And so you actually kind of just soften the blow a little bit to help them know that you, you like them as a person, you Mm -hmm. know, you appreciate the things that they're doing. Right. Um, it does, no one feels good when someone comes into a room and says, oh, you missed a spot. Like, it feels way better for them to come in and be like, wow, this paint color looks great. Oh, hey, it looks like maybe there's a spot missing. Like, yeah. totally different conversations. One just feels totally like critical different. and you hate me and all you see is my flaws. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to like, but you, the trick with this though is just like being honest with the issue. You also have to be honest with the, like, the praise. Right. It has to be coming from a real place. And if you can't find that real place, you better figure out how to find it real quick. Right. And part of this, too, is there's this um, concept of, like, the Oreo sandwich. Like, say something good. Oh, say what they need. Oreo? Compliment, yeah. yeah. Say something good. Say something they need to work on. Say something good. The compliment Oreo or compliment <laughs> sandwich. And that sounds good in theory, and I do think that it works most of the time. The problem is when people, um, when leaders are incredibly clear on what the issue is, but they don't take time to figure out what honest compliments are. Mm-hmm. I really like your hair. You're late for everything and people are mad at you. Also, but your hair is good. Your smile a lot. Yeah, it also doesn't count if the two compliments are the same compliment. Yep. And it also <laughs> doesn't work if the two compliments aren't somehow related to their volunteer role or to who they right. are. It should as probably a matter to what, what to, like the thing that you're criticizing, you know, having a critique of, probably not criticizing, but the thing you're coaching them on. The compliment that you're bringing needs to be related to that in yep. a way that they don't feel like they just fail at the role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And this was something, um, sometimes the hard conversation is things that you need to address as a leader. Sometimes the hard conversation is something that other people ask of you. So you had to deal with auditions with people who weren't necessarily always ready to join. <laughs> just that they're not um, good enough. <laughs> <laughs> but Yet, like... Know? I had some conversations where I had women come up to me asking if we could just go out for coffee. And, you know, they'd be like, hey, could you just like mentor me for a season? And can we go out for coffee? That doesn't seem like it should be a hard conversation till the answer is no. I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> for whatever was, reason, right? Like for, my, my life is too busy. I've got two little kids at home. This just doesn't work in my schedule. Right. Or like uh, you, I, I just, I think I'm not graced help you as a person there's somebody who is a better match for you as a mentor you're taking all of the points i was going to go into ted i'm sorry i <laughs> just read your this mind. whole time and you're not letting me contribute <laughs> <laughs> oh well i'm sorry about that you're doing a great job <laughs> try a compliment sandwich no what were you gonna say no i you just took all of my examples i was oh. gonna say those i wasn't graced to oh. do it no i i have so the position that we were in i had women who would ask me to get together for mm. mentorship And who I am as a person, like, I don't have a high capacity to do a lot of those relationships. So when we would get together with people, like, we've um, met with a few people in the last few months, 
And we know, like, here's how much time we can devote to these relationships. Here's how much we can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. You literally know well, me so incredibly you, well. Can you explain <laughs> what that means, though, a little bit? Like yeah. the graced thing? So with us, with people, so I had to give a little bit of context. I would sometimes speak for little bits of time at, like, women's events. Um, and the women's events range from, like, a few hundred to, like, 900 people. Um, and usually in the weeks following, someone would come up and just be like, hey, that was super helpful. Could we get together and talk about it? Would you be willing to mentor me? Would you be willing to whatever? I always had a lot going on in life. So sometimes when someone wanted to mentor, um, I'd always have to ask, what do you mean by that? Because some people were like, you have businesses and you have kids and you've written a book and you do all these things. I just need kind of an idea of how you run your schedule or how... Um, you make this work or how you juggle. Those kinds of things, a lot of times I would say yes. If I got the same question multiple times, I would just create a video and send it out to all the people because I was like, all right, everyone's asking me the same question. I don't have time for 30 of these conversations. Let's just put together <laughs> like a quick, um, like a free thing where I can just create the thing and send the thing and then people can get their questions answered. Other times though, I just was not graced for it. Um, I know who I am. I'm great at if someone comes to me and says, I'm having an issue with A and B, I can say, all right, well, if we adjust these two things, we'll get you to C. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when I'd ask, what does mentorship mean to you? They're like, I just want to sit and talk through my life and kind of figure out some of the stuff that's going on. And immediately it was a ding, ding, ding. They want counseling and I am not gifted with mercy or compassion. <laughs> I have learned um, how to bring those things to a conversation. But when someone is in that spot, I am not the person for them. And those mm. conversations were really hard because when someone is in a moment where they're telling you, I need to talk about something that's really deep going on in my life, the last thing you want to do is say, no. Like... <laughs> Thanks, but no thanks, not going to do that. <laughs> and so part of the hard conversation, especially as volunteers, was to meet them where they're at and say, man, that really is a big thing. I'm so glad that something is kind of turning in your life and you're wanting to discuss this and be able to talk about it and heal from it, move forward with it. However, I'm just not the person to do that. Like, I, that's not something I'm naturally gifted in. And I'm really afraid that as you're in this moment, I'm going to offend you. And I know that I might be offending you right now by saying no, but I know that if you let me know everything that's going on in your life, I tend to have the wrong responses the majority <laughs> of the time. It's not because I don't care. It's just that I'm not gifted in this and I really don't want to hurt you when you're in that really vulnerable space. However, I don't know if you know so-and-so, but she is fantastic at this. She's someone who has all the gifts that I just don't have. She's super great at these conversations. And I just care so much about you. I just don't want to hurt you in a place where you're already feeling really vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So can I make an introduction? And then can I follow up with you in the next few weeks just to check in and see how you're doing? And the important thing with this is like that handoff is really huge for caring for people. It's like when you get like a savior complex and you need to be everybody's everything you're going to stink at something. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it's really important to be building your network and have those resources available to be able to actually make a good, a good solid handoff and do it in a way where you actually do care about the person. You're not just trying to get them 
to go away. Right. Like you're actually seeing the person in that moment. And part of this is going into those conversations saying, I care more about this person than I do about my comfort. And not just, I care about this person because they volunteer for me. But it's, I care about this person because this person is going to be alive for decades. And how I handle a situation right now is going to either set them up for what's coming up in 10 years or going to hinder them from growing. Mm -hmm. Because we have to know that the volunteers around us aren't ours. They are not ours. We are with them for a season. And at some point, that season more than likely will split off. And they are either going to be better because of our impact and have grown so that when they go into the next season, they are more well-equipped, or we are going to stifle their growth. Hmm. And when we look at every conversation from that angle, it becomes a lot easier to have the hard conversations. When it's a hard conversation because of them, um, you're not showing up on time. You're not acting responsibly. You didn't get the task done. I just can't. Like, I need to know that I can rely on you. Um, those conversations you have differently because you recognize these things are going to impact your future work and your future volunteer opportunities. Yep. When it's something because of me where I have to recognize this is because of my shortcoming. I'm not able to have the conversation that you need. I'm not able with my schedule to fit in a weekly meeting. I'm not able with my schedule to create this course or lead this team or do whatever the task may be. I'm not able. Um, When you recognize that it's based on their success long-term, it becomes a lot more easy to find the humility to say, I wish I was the person, but I just have to let you know I'm not. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't do it. And I used to hate saying I can't do something because I always wanted to be the person people could rely on. And I wanted to be the person who was capable. I do not like feeling like I can't do something. (laughs) But we have to know that it's important to the other person that we are willing to step into the tension and that we are willing to be, we are willing um, to eat the humble pie because we value them more than we value our own comfort. That's good. And I don't like that, but it's honest. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I mean, really, I think caring for people in the midst of hard conversations really is a measure of your humility mm-hmm. as a person. Yeah. Um, that's just a huge, huge thing to keep in mind. So our question for you today is this. What hard conversation do you need to have? You know what it is. Don't, don't, no, no. You're thinking maybe I could, no. You got to have the conversation. (laughs) We're going to challenge you to have that conversation, but think about how you're going to do it in a way that cares for the person, but is still 100% honest. Your organization is going to be better as a result of that conversation. Now, we'd love to hear what it is. If you know what the conversation is and you do not know how to have it, you're sitting there going, what in the world? Email us. You can reach us at office at legacybuildersintl.com and we would be happy to help you figure out how to help your volunteers grow while also helping you navigate what that conversation is. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com. 